in 1 Kings in chapter number 17. And we want to read just a few verses here. I expect that this will be the first installment of three in this uh, message on and the life of Elijah. Brother Eddie this morning, one of his favorite portions of Scripture is chapter 18. But preacher, we will not get there till next week. I'm sorry. This uh, week we will spend in chapter 17. But we will get to chapter 18 next week, if the Lord's will, in installment number two. And here he is already with uh, a schedule to, uh, to be somewhere on next Sunday, probably preaching. So just pray. Uh, we'll record it for you, and you can listen in later. But uh, pray for us that the Lord would help us. I want to share with you, I told TJ yesterday as we were working a little bit, I didn't know if I had one sermon or if I had three sermons or if I had more than that. And uh, Brother TJ bonafide at least three. And uh, as I began to study and dig in a little deeper, I realized there was no way that this was three points to one sermon. It might even be uh, that each sermon is more than one sermon. So let's pray that the Lord would help us this morning. I believe that the Lord has given me something that will be an assistance to you in your walk with God if you're saved this morning. And a reminder of how God operates if you're not saved so that you may come to know the Lord in 1 Kings chapter 17, I want to begin reading in the first verse. We'll read down through the seventh verse. Remain in this portion of Scripture for the entirety of the message. If you're able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us as we read and reverence the word of the Lord. 1 Kings 17, and in verse number 1, the word of the Lord says, And Elijah the Tishpite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall, be no, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the, Lord, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kareth, that is, before Jordan." And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and dwelt by the brook Kareth, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. It came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. You can be seated. Thank you for standing with us. That's all we'll read in our text this morning. And reading down through verse number 7. Now, I will just acknowledge something before I begin to preach this morning, in that this word careth, I'm going to try to discipline myself to say it that way. I do believe that is probably likely the proper pronunciation of the word, whereas most of my life and ministry I have called it Cherith. I may call it both during the preaching this morning, and if I do, just know I'm talking about the same place, and I'm working on trying to say things as well as what I can. And we are preaching about this minister of God, Elijah. Elijah and Elisha are two different men. If I happen to say Elisha this morning, I don't intend to preach on him at all. So if I say Elisha, I'm probably talking about Elijah. So y'all just hang in there with me on Kareth and Cherith and Elijah and Elisha this morning. It's a great truth of the word of the Lord. Elijah is one of the greatest characters of the study of the word of God to even look into his life, Old or New Testament. 
He is the man who embodies the office of the Old Testament prophet more than any other. Matter of fact, it's often referred to, the Old Testament is, as the, as the law and the prophets. Sometimes the Jews would refer to the law and the prophets as Moses and Elijah. You remember when Father Abraham spoke unto the rich man in hell who cried out unto him, said, send back Lazarus from the dead that he might declare and teach my brothers to repent and that they don't come to this awful place of torment. And he said, they have Moses and Elijah. Let him hear them. They've got the law and the prophets. He's so much a prophet of the Lord that he literally embodies the prophets of the Old Testament. And he is the foreshadowing, Jesus said, of John the Baptist. If you will have it, said Jesus, this is none other than Elijah that was prophesied to come. He was not an Israelite aristocrat, but he was a man of the Gilead Hill country. Likely a shepherd, not educated in schools of higher learning. He has no pedigree in the ministry. He, like Amos, was not a prophet or a priest, neither the son of a prophet, but God calls him out from the sheep country to knock on the door of the king with a strong message of judgment from this entrance on the scriptural stage until the day he goes into heaven in a chariot of fire. We see a prophet who came in with a whirlwind of judgment and went out in a whirlwind of glory. This man, Elijah, is a remarkable character in the Bible. Such power that he had. He healed the sick. He multiplied oil with the word of the Lord. He commanded it God's word for the barren womb to be open. He saw the dead raised to life and life would come back in a corpse. He called for the heaven to close up and then to open up again. In our text this morning, he says that it will not rain again until I say it's going to rain again. What power that this man had. What anointing lay on his life. He may have had more power and saw more victories over the powers of darkness than any other man who ever lived outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ironically, the man Elijah has never died, but he was carried off in a chariot of fire unto heaven. Later, he would light on the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses to discuss the substitutionary death of Christ Jesus on the cross at Calvary. And they talked with the Lord Jesus Himself. Elijah's ministry is not done. Even in our time, the Lord is not finished with this man Elijah. He will come back to earth in the last time. And he will stand with one other witness in Jerusalem and minister with miracle working power and hold the violence of hell at bay until he is finally slain as a martyr at the close of the great tribulation. He has often been in, uh, he has often been imitated, but he has never been duplicated. This great prophet of the Lord Elijah, we find him in the first installment of these messages about his life this morning, and we find him at one of the most overlooked experiences of his life, one of the most ignored experiences. I'm going to preach if God will help me over the next few weeks about the mountaintop experiences or the high places of Elijah's life. We're not going to talk about the entirety of his life, but the high places of his life. 
This morning we're going to see a high place that we would not expect to be called a high place. It seems like it is a low place. Most of my preaching this morning will talk about difficulty and hardship and dry times. But I'm telling you, it was still a high place in the life of Elijah. This experience of his life is the most, maybe the most overlooked mountain of his experience with God. But it is an essential experience. Elijah has prophesied to King Ahab that it would not rain again until he gave the word from the Lord. Elijah came on the scene with a bang. And after a one verse ministry, God has hidden him out for about a year at the brook Kareth. Verse number one, he preaches one verse. That's all he preaches is one verse. God calls him. It's his first message. He gets to preach at the palace during his first message. The king listened to him preach his first sermon. And after he got done preaching the first sermon, which was a really short one, the Lord put him in hiding and nobody heard from him for almost three and a half years. And he spent about a year of that down by the brook Kareth. And the Bible tells us that he stayed there and that the Lord fed him there. It seems on the surface to be such a waste. A man with such power to be hidden out. Why, if he had such power as to get the king's ear in his first sermon, you'd think God would have filled his calendar. You would think that the Lord would have his appointment book filled. The first Baptist of this town. The first special church of that town. Of the big church uptown and downtown and out of town and in town. You'd think everybody would be calling up Elijah on his cell phone and saying, we'll do anything. Come preach for us. We'll do anything to hear you. You've got power with God. And yet God puts him in hiding. This is not the work of man. This is not the work of the king. This is the work of the Lord. God has isolated Elijah in our portion of Scripture. I'm preaching this morning about Elijah at Kareth. Elijah at Kareth. Oh, my friend, it seems like God has hidden him out. And my friend, the Bible said the Lord told him how to get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Kareth that is before Jordan. The word Kareth means a gorge or a trench. God has taken his chosen, anointed, powerful prophet and after one a one verse ministry, he has hidden him out down by a trench or a gorge. One could say a pit or even a grave. My friend, it is literally a wadi, which is a dry riverbed, except in the rainy season. The only time that there would be water in the brook Kareth is during the rainy season. But wait a minute, Elijah just got done saying to the king, it ain't raining again until I tell you it's going to rain. And God said, "Go down beside the they'll go down there beside that wadi, that dry riverbed. That the only time water runs down it is when it does rain. And I'm going to give you water in a dry riverbed while it don't rain. That seems like a strange place to sit out a drought. Amen. And yet God gave him water from that brook. Everybody else would have thought there's no need to go." 
go down there to carry it. There's not any water in it. The only time there's water in that ditch is during the rainy season, during the flood season, during the swelling out of Jordan. But instead, there the prophet of God is where it's supposed to be dry and God is giving him some water. Where it's supposed to be a barren as a bone and yet God is sending him something to drink. A dry riverbed except in the rainy season but there's water in it for the whole year while Elijah is there in a drought. Verse number 3 says that this is eastward. That is, if you look it up on the map, it is eastward from Samaria toward the Jordan River. If all of us are looking in the same direction, some of y'all don't know you're right from my left. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so we're looking at it on the map. It's all up here like this. Samaria is over here. The Jordan River is over here. Gilead, where he's from, is over here. So he has crossed over Jordan into Samaria to preach to the king. And God said, leave here and go back towards Jordan. But don't cross the river Jordan into your homeland. Instead, stop shy of that. And go by that brook Kareth, the dry river bed, and stay there. To this day, we don't know exactly what ditch this is he's sitting beside. We don't know exactly where the river or the brook Kareth is. But we know that it's not as far as Jordan. And we know that it's not on the other side at Gilead. Gilead has the Jabbok River running through it. It is lush. It is green. It is plush with trees and with rivers and with and with grasslands. And it's great places for grazing on that side of the Jordan River. But God has him stuck on the same side of Jordan as Ahab. And you would think a man would want to cross the river and at least have the river dividing him and the king. The king don't like him. God said, you're going to sit this thing out on the same side of the river as where Ahab is. And while Ahab gets thirsty, I'm going to give you something to drink. While they're all thirsty, I'm going to give you something to drink. While they're all hungry, I'm going to fill your belly. I'm going to take care of you in an isolated place that whenever Brother Toby gets up and preaches about it, some thousands of years later, he won't even be able to tell for sure exactly where it is. But I know where it is and I know where you are and I'll take care of you while you are there. Hallelujah. My friend, he's been cast out of the capital but he's not back at home. He's in the great in-between. I tell you, much of our life for God will be spent in the great in-between. It will be spent in the unknown. It will be spent in the undefined places of life. It will be spent in those places that don't land on the map. That nobody recognizes that nobody sees that are isolated places that most people would not choose and yet God has chosen it for us oh but be reminded this morning when God puts you in an undefined place when God puts you in an isolated place when God puts you in a separated place when God sets you beside the dry river bed he never leaves you there alone he will accomplish something great eternal and my friend important in your life God sees Elijah and Cherith he has not left him alone and he's not left you alone this morning 
Elijah at Kareth. And the Bible tells us, go sit down beside that river and I will send the ravens, an unclean animal. And I'll tell you more about that in a moment. To feed you there, I'll let you drink from the brook. The root word of this word, Kareth, comes from a term meaning to cut, to slice open, to cut off or cut asunder. I'd listen to what I'm saying now because this is most of the message. That term is Kareth literally means to cut, to cut open, to slice open, to cut off, to cut asunder. By implication it means to consume, to destroy. It means to covenant. You remember when the covenant was made in the Old Testament they would slice the animal in half, divide out the pieces and then walk in the pieces between them and come back again and that was their way of making this promise. God has sent Elijah to a place where he's cut, where he is slice open where he is wounded where he is isolated but God has not sent him here to starve and to thirst he sent him here on a promise God said though it may be a dry riverbed though it may be a place where the world says looks like Elijah's gone off somewhere crawled in a hole and died just know I've made you a promise I'll meet your need I've made you a covenant I'll give you something to drink I'll give you food to eat. Why you think sometimes when God puts you in these places, these careths of life, that God has put you here to destroy you. It is not to cut you asunder, but it is to cut you off from the world. That you may be separated under God. My friend, careth is a place of separation. It is a place of getting cut off. Hear me this morning. I used to think possibly that maybe if a person was spiritual enough if they were surrendered enough if they served God enough that maybe they could avoid times like this I first learned about Kara sitting at my mama's knees sitting in front of her and she would teach us the word of God and read Bible stories I remember her telling about those dirty blackbirds that would bring him food possibly from Ahab's table and I would think to myself what a waste to put such a powerful prophet of God on such a, in such an isolated place and I have thought at times possibly that if you'd just be what God wants you to be to begin with that possibly you could avoid Kareth, possibly you could go on to the high places in life but let me tell you this morning it does not matter if you are David the sweet psalmist of Israel if you are Moses the chosen one of God. If you are Elijah, the prophet of all prophets, or if it is you, or if it is me, these careth experiences are necessary. Somebody please hear the preaching today. The dark hours of your night, of your life are not sin to destroy you. The times of solitude and isolation, the times when God separates you, the times when you cannot make human connection, with others he does not put in your life to put you out of business he puts in your life to draw you near to his bosom to get you close unto him God sometimes has to separate us from others to separate us unto him oh I bless his name for the things that I have learned at this brook for the things that God has 
has brought into my life. The cause of those cut open has separated places where God's brought me close to Him and Him alone. Woo! Oh, bless His name. This word careth. The underlying word that it is, that it is translated from, has also been translated in your Bibles as cut asunder or chewed up, to be cut down, to fail, to perish utterly, and to lose. This is a strange place to send your newly anointed evangelists, but it is appointed of God. I want you to notice three things this morning about Kareth, and I will be done in the preaching. Kareth, first of all, this morning is a place of division. It's a place of division. We've already talked about how it means to slice open, to cut, to cut asunder or to cut off, to separate. It is a place of division. He was cut off. He was divided. He was separated from the world. Didn't you know God wants you to be there this morning? He wants to separate you from this world. Elijah may have felt isolated, but he was never alone. God's not only wanting to separate you from this world. He wants to separate you unto Him. Kareth is not only about taking you away from the world, but it is about putting you close with the Master. It's about putting you close to the Lord. Hear me, Elijah had done nothing wrong. He had done nothing wrong to cause that Kareth experience in his life. He's not there because he did something wrong. He's there because God wants to do something right. In your life, God will isolate you, separate you, cut you off from others and bring you near to Himself. Not because He's punishing you, but because He wants you to have a closer walk with Him. And He separates you from, they might separate you too. Amen. Anybody ever been to Kareth, you know what I'm preaching about. And those of you who have not, you will travel that road. And you, you have to travel it. You'll have to walk that lonesome road. And you'll have to walk it for yourself. And nobody else can walk it for you. Amen. The preacher cannot do it for you. Mom and dad cannot do it for you. You're going to have to walk the way to Kareth for yourself with God and God alone. You'll need some of those experiences. Oh, my friend, God sends us to Kareth the separate us but not to leave us alone he was separated from men to God this place of division it divided him from fellowship from the fellowship of people to the fellowship of God we do not read where one human visitor ever attended to Elijah at Kareth but God did not forget him nobody ever gave him a phone call nobody ever made a visit and nobody brought him a fruit basket amen and nobody sent him a, a thinking about you card. And nobody ever, my friend, sent him a text message or a Facebook message or an email. He was totally isolated from people and divided from fellowship. But God did not forget him. Hear me. You may say, well, a church hadn't paid attention. My brother and sister hadn't paid attention. And nobody seems to know where I am and what I'm going through. 
and know this God has not forgotten about you his eye is still upon you he pays attention to your life hallelujah God sees you down by that old dry river bed God sees you down by the wadi where everybody else says there's no river and there's no rain and there's no water and God's making a spring spring up where there is no spring making water come forth where water shouldn't he hears it every time your stomach growls he's watching out for you you are on his mind you are always on his mind he's not forgotten about you Divided off from fellowship with men, but not fellowship with God. Divided him off from food, from the food of people. He had no stove, he had no kitchen, he had no Kroger, amen. He had no field of grain on the other side of Jordan, up the river Jabbok, where he was from. My friend, there grew great big grapes. Down that brook where he was from, the fields blossomed year round where he was from you planted seed and it came forth with fruit where he's sitting you can't find a drop of water except God sends it there's nothing to eat except God sends it there's no place to get food except God sends it oh and my friend about lunchtime he'd like to have something to eat and God said don't leave this brook but he said Lord there's nothing to eat here and about that time 11 come on 11.30 him wondering is God going to do it today? Is there going to be anything to eat till today? And maybe even get a little past noon. And him wonder, is God going to send anything today? And about that time, here, here. <laughs> A rustling in the leaves. Look up and see the flapping wings of a blackbird. A raven drops a chunk of meat in his lap and a piece of bread in his lap. And he begins to eat of it and be suffice and to glorify God and to praise the Lord. He's been looking at a dry river bed where there is no water, but he sees down there a little bubbling up and he eases down, digs around, and God makes it spring forth and he drinks with his hands down in the water and he puts it in his mouth and says thank you Lord for your blessings on me goes back up to his cave to his hillside up above that riverbed and sits until evening about dark he wonders has God forgotten about me but he hears again all up in the top of the trees there he is another blackbird there he is another piece of meat anybody know what I'm preaching about. There he is, another piece of bread. I'm saying that went on for months. Most scholars believe possibly a year that that went on and every day God fed him. Every day God gave him water. Listen, if I'd have been sitting beside that dry river brook, one day dipping my hands in the dirt and coming up with water would have caused me to know God was there. One day of God sending a blackbird over to put a perfectly clean piece of meat in my hand without one germ to give me a stomach ache and my friend a piece of bread for me to eat I'd have said praise God it's the Lord when he does that morning and evening for a year you can't help but know it's God the Lord will put you in those places and then he'll 
keep you there long enough until you're fully convinced, until you totally understand, until you absolutely know it's God that does it. It'll make you learn how to pray. Give us this day our daily praying. What a faith-building exercise. And what a blessing. Every day the raven showed up. Every day the water flowed in a dry river pan. In the middle of a trial, God separated him, divided him from food. Divided him from fellowship, divided him from food. Divided him from faith. Almost seems to contradict what I just said. But I'm talking when I say faith now, I'm talking about the system. God divided him from organized religion. God separated him out. He sits by the creek, bank, dry riverbed, the wadi, the brook Kareth, without a priest, without an altar, without a temple, without a church, without a pastor. It's just him and God. Amen. Oh, God did this. The Lord separated him out. God put him there. Oh, listen. But though there was no temple, there was no priest, there was no altar, there was no pastor, God kept talking to him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. There will be times in your Christian walk, my friend, that you will uh, even attend church, but there seems to be no word there for you. Listen to me. That does not mean it's time for you to leave church. Church. But it does mean it's time for you to attend the brook. My friend, hey, when I cannot get a word from the church, I can't get a word from the preacher, I can't get a word from the Sunday school or the camp meeting or the revival service or the good hymns of God, I know I need some time down at the brook. There have been times when I hear sermons and it sounds like wrecking. There have been times when I read words and it seems like words on the page. There have been times when I sing songs and it's nothing more than a tune. Oh, but praise God, hallelujah. And get down by the brook and it seemed like the brook bed is dry. But down on the inside, God begins to stir up a word and God begins to speak to my soul and He reminds me that He still sees me where I am and that He'll meet my need. Oh, thank God for the Kareth experience where God speaks to me personally in my isolated, divided place. Does anybody have any idea what I'm preaching about? Anybody else ever been past that brook besides me? Oh, mama. Divided him from faith. Divided him from favor. By the way, let me roll back to faith just a minute. There have been times in my life that I have had to be by the brook Kareth and I could get nothing from going to church. But I didn't stop going to church. And I'm going to tell you what has happened in some of those times, Brother John. I have come to church and gotten nothing 
But in some of those times, because God talked to me by the brook, when I came to church, I didn't get nothing, but I gave something. Are you listening to me? Some of the times when God has used me to speak to somebody else the most has been while I have been at my driest point, while I have been in my weakest point, when I have felt isolated. I came to church, shook hands with everybody, smiled and said, it's good to see you, it's good to see you. And I thought, my soul, I don't want to see nobody. Amen. Got up to preach and I said, hallelujah, ain't good to be in the house of the Lord. And that on the inside of my heart, I'm thinking, I don't want to be anywhere. Oh, but hey, somehow or another, God calls the spring at the bellow up in a dry riverbed and gave me a word and I was able to help somebody else. Don't quit church just because that you're in a Catholic experience. Stay with the church. Amen. Divided him off from faith. Then the next place of division. He divided him off from favor. Ain't nobody liked Elijah. Nobody liked him. Sometimes preachers are bad about getting where Elijah is. Nobody likes it and you know it. Amen. Rest you preachers know what I'm talking about. Oh. Nobody likes it and you are fully aware. I've stood to preach in places that I wondered if there was one person in the building that really wanted me to preach and I was wondering why I was. I've stood at the back door, come in the door, drive three and a half hours, had pneumonia. Had pneumonia, driving three and a half hours back and forth one way, every day, working every day, preaching every night, driving that kind of distance, sick as a low-down dog. I mean, just sick. Walk in the door on Monday night, the pastor come up to me, shake my hand, and say, I just want you to know, we vote on the revival evangelist around here. I don't get to pick and choose who I want. I don't really want you here. You don't really want to be here, probably. So let's just figure out a way to get through the week. You think that don't make you feel like you're like Elijah down to the creek uh, down there at the river call, a brook called Kareth they don't want to hear me I don't want to be here and yet I'm supposed to preach like this amen uh, he was divided away from favor the people of the uh, land did not favor Elijah he was hidden by God because he was public enemy number one uh, when Elijah uh, came out of hiding in chapter 18 and Obadiah the servant servant brought him to Ahab the king. Obadiah said, yeah, preacher, I've got a hundred other preachers like you. I've had to hide all of them. The king and kill them, every one if he could. And the main reason is because he hates you. And Obadiah was afraid to introduce him back to Ahab. And when Ahab found him, Ahab said, you're a troublemaker. You're the one troubling Israel. You're the problem around here. That's preachers like you that stirs everything up. Hey, you're causing all the mess that's going on in our world today. I'm going to tell you something while this, while I'm here. This whole world and this country would be better off if we had more preachers and fewer politicians. Amen. If we had more men of God and fewer men of this whole world trying to get and gain everything they have and have power. And my friend, the politicians have messed up our society, not the preachers. Amen. It's exactly right. And while they blame the religious folks and blame the preacher public enemy number one, it was Ahab and his father's house. It was the politicians that had made a mess of that country. 
Amen. The king called him a troublemaker. All those days in isolation, Elijah was despised. It was his fault the people were thirsty. But while men cursed the name of Elijah every time it was mentioned and despised his existence, God favored him highly. Oh, you may get to the place where people despise you for your service to God. You may yield yourself to the Lord and your friends and family members may get envious like we talked about in Sunday school this morning. God may use you in some way and those around you who are near to you may make fun of you, mock you, laugh at you. But know this, if you have yielded your life to God while men may speak all manner of evil against you falsely, God sits in heaven, nods His head in approval. And my friend, He will reward your service one of these days. A place of division. Kareth is a place of provision. Elijah is there divided from the people, but he's provided for by the Lord. Elijah preaches his first message in verse number one of our text here on this morning, and it's one of drought, dearth, disaster, and doom. But God sent him to this separated place to provide for him. Had the same drought that hit Israel. And brought famine to Israel, also hit Elijah. But God provided water for him in a dry river bed, whose name means to cut, consume, chew up, and destroy. And God provided in the drought. God knows how to multiply the loaves. My friend, He can rain bread from heaven. He can give us this day our daily bread. Where God guides, He will provide. Before Elijah ever preached the first sermon about the drought, God had a plan to get water water to him and food to him. Elijah didn't know the plan in advance but he did get to watch the plan unfold in his life. You may not know how God's going to do it but he's going to do it. You may not know how the Lord's going to take care of you but he's going to take care of you. You may not be able to predict it. How many times looking back in hindsight brother Eddie if I look back into my life and said, I don't know how in the world he did that. Well, I wouldn't have expected this. That's not the route I would have chosen. I mean, in foresight, I knew how things were supposed to go. Man, I mean, I had a super highway worth of plans and ambitions and goals. I paved all the way from the time I got saved to the time I arrived at the golden gate yonder in heaven. I mean, I had it scheduled out and in my path, all it was was a steady incline. I mean, there were no ups and downs. There were no drastic highs and deep lows. There were no droughts and floods. There were no hot times, no dry times, no cold times, and no snow and icy times but my road didn't work at all and God sent me on detours and changed my plans and I found it to be up and down and in and out and hot and cold and wet and dry and I looked back in foresight I could have never anticipated God to do things that way but here I am 30 years into this journey and I look back and see every detour was his plan every dry time was his plan every Wet time was his plan. God had a plan before those things ever arrived in my life. He knew exactly what to do. He had anticipated what was coming. And God met the need. And I 
was able and have been able to watch it unfold every day. I wouldn't have planned for it. I wouldn't have picked it. I would have not predicted it. Praise God. But I have watched it play out before my eyes. You have too if you've been saved for very long. You've watched him when you thought nothing could happen. And he flipped the switch that you didn't know existed. <laughs> Amen. You've watched him when you thought you'd come to an end. And he pulls a cord. And it raises a shade and helps you realize on the other side of what you thought was a wall is a vast universe of God's grace, mercy, and love. You have seen it whenever God would turn the light on in your life. And what you thought was a dark, dry, barren place, you realize was green pastures and still waters. And you just didn't know it, but God knew before you ever got there. If you've lived for God very long, you've been there. Place of provision. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. The Lord has met every need I've ever had. I've never had to sleep out in the wet wet rain without a roof over my head in my whole life. I'm not above it, but I've never had to. I've never had to miss a meal because there was not food for me to eat. I've always had clothes on my back and shoes on my feet. I've been preaching now almost every day of my life for 30 years. And there's been a million times that I have sat down and said, Lord, I haven't got a thing on planet Earth to preach. And still somehow I come to church and folks wonder how come you can't get finished any quicker than that. Amen. God has met every need I've ever had. Oh, how I love Him this morning. He provides. He provides. He puts water in the dry riverbed. He sends food when my belly is hungry. God provides. God provides. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless His name. (laughs) I could have never predicted it. wouldn't have planned it. wouldn't have picked it. But I've watched it as it has unfolded before me. Hallelujah. It was a place of provision. God provided the meals. Boy, you know, you're feeling something. Brother Bob, testify for me now. If they send you the notice in the mail and say you can go on a all-inclusive cruise and a nice trip, meals are included. You get to pay a little extra, don't you? You go about it, well, dig deep down in the pocket. It's a higher dollar trip if the meals are included. Are you listening to me? God said, go down there beside the dry river bed and meals are included. <laughs> How are we going to get them there? He said, I've got some tuxedo uniformed birds, blackbirds, ravens in the sky, and they'll make special delivery. It's better than jackrabbit. Hey, man, it's better than the Chinese buffet. It's better than dominoes. I'll bring them to you on wings. Have them airlifted in there to you. There's not a road, no problem to me. I'll have them airlifted. There's a tree in the way. These are critters that I've got to 
delivering them are accustomed to navigating the trees. That's an isolated place. Oh, but I got a global positioning system on them. I don't know how to find you where you are. Dominoes may not deliver there, but God does. The Lord will send the raven. Meals are included. But those ravens are unclean. It's not what it's not the kind of bird that uh, if it's going to send a bird, it's not the kind of bird that Elijah would have picked out to deliver. These are birds that are known for being thieves. These are birds that are known for being scavengers. A raven will take everything. They build their nest with everything you've got. They'll pull pins off the clothesline and take them. You leave your window open, they'll fly in your window and take your jewelry off the counter. They're notorious for it. Put it in their nest. Make it a part of it. God said, I'm going to take their nature and use it for my glory. I'm going to send them down there to Ahab's house. And instead of getting jewelry and clothespins, I'm going to send them down there to the table where Ahab's chef is fixing a grade A USDA certified filet mignon in the middle of a drought. And I'm going to have them pick up a steak and a handful of biscuits and fly them out to you special delivery and let you eat the best of the lamb meat and bread morning and evening. Amen. Meals included. Hallelujah. Place of provision. Well, I've always had a place to sleep. Clothes to wear and food to eat. Woo! God has been so good to me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Hallelujah. There's a place of provision. He provided the meals. Place of provision. He provided the message. Before Elijah went to Kareth, he's a bold preacher. He shows up in his first sermon. Don't know about the rest of you boys. My first sermon, I was scared to death. Matter of fact, to look back now and I've figured out that we've got this all wrong. Human beings, we do everything upside down. I'm not much of a preacher now, and I realize that. But I realize also, I'm, not, I'm also not foolish. I can listen to the recording. I realize that I'm a little bit better preacher now than what I was 30 years ago when I preached my first message. And when I preached my first message, Brother Eddie, you could hardly pack the people in the church building. I mean, it seat 350, 400 people, and you couldn't find a place to sit down. They all came to hear the first, and then I did so bad, most of them never come back. Amen. We got this thing all mixed up in backwards but Elijah's so powerful his first sermon he got to preach at the White House he got to preach at the King's House he got to preach at the palace and he knocked on the door and somehow by providence somehow he got to preach to the king and here it was his first message and he preached less than a verse you'd think a fellow preached a short sermon like that he'd get to come back wouldn't you he preached less than one verse and my and God sent him out of town. He sat down beside the creek bank and was there for almost a year. Tell me if you wouldn't think like this, Brother TJ. I preached my first message. Finally told God I'd do what he told me to do. And now, he ain't let me preach in almost a year. A lot of goodness did me to obey God, didn't it? Look at me. One verse of preaching, and now I'm 
finished. I'm washed up. It's all over with. I got a word from God. I shared that word. And now God's used me up and thrown me away. <laughs> oh, praise God. But look what the Bible says in verse number 8. The scripture says, And the word of the Lord came unto him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. There are days when I sit down and think, Well, I've done the best I could, Lord. But it's done. I'm finished preaching. I preached all I know. The people are tired of listening to me. I don't have any more meetings left. I've bumped up. I don't have nobody calling. The folks don't want to come on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I feel like I'm just struggling to keep my head above water. I can't find anything in the Bible to preach on. How can you find nothing in the Bible to preach on? When John 3, 16 is in the Bible, you can't ever get to the place where there's nothing to preach on. Amen. I say, Lord, I don't have a thing in the world to preach on. Hallelujah. Praise God. Better get down on my knees and begin to pray. I start reading His Word. And the Word of the Lord comes again, even in Karen. Oh, bless His name. It's a place of provision. And I want to rise up again from that place and carry out that that God has given unto me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Place of provision. He provided the meals. He provided the message. We're going to skip a little bit on in now. He provided a meal barrel. Elijah needed this. He needed to see that not only was God going to do something in his life, but that God was going to use his life to do something in somebody else's life. <laughs> Tell me the truth this morning, preacher boys. Tell me the truth. It ain't enough for me. Don't believe it is for you either. It's not enough for me for God just to speak in my life. I yearn, desire, long, and hunger for God to give me something that when I give it to somebody else will help them the way it has helped me. I don't preach as I do this morning to simply unload what God put in my heart. But God sent me here with a word from heaven so that I could help you the way God has helped me with this word. Elijah left this place of Kareth and went Found his Zarephath to that widow's house because he needed a meal barrel. He needed some experience where God's word not only brought help to Elijah, but help to somebody else along the way. And he got to see it. God would have been God if he'd have never given him a meal barrel, but he got to see the plan of God play, play out before his eyes. There's a little widow woman down there and she's got a boy. Her husband's already gone. She thinks any day now I could bury that little fellow of mine and then I could die. We're just trying to find enough sticks to build a fire. We know we've got to have at least two of them. You can't build a fire with one stick. If we can just at least get two sticks rubbed together, get a spark, it ought not take much to catch it on fire, dry as whatever thing is. We'll get a fire going. We've got enough meal to make one cake of bread. We've got enough oil to make one cake of bread. We're going to split this cake and then we're going to sit down and wait to die. But the man of God shows up. And he said, would you go get me a little... 
a cake and some water. And she tells him, no, we can fix to eat this and die. And he said, oh, I do this for me first. And God had already conditioned her heart. I told her the man of God would be by that way doing this. And she went and prepared for him first. And my friend and gave it unto Elijah. And because of the word of the Lord, not only was Elijah fed for two and a half more years through the three and a half year drought, but that woman and her son, none of them died. None of them died. None of them died. The word that God gave Elijah gave life to that woman and to her son. The meal barrel said to Elijah, God will provide. You got any meal barrels in your life? You got any times in your life when you thought it was all over with? When you counted yourself out and God said, I'll give you a word. And every time you saw the bottom of that barrel, you didn't cry, but you rejoiced and said, God will provide. He's Jehovah Jireh. He'll meet the need. Amen. And he didn't teach you that in your abundance. He taught you that in your need. Hallelujah. Amen place of provision. He provided the meals, the message, the meal barrel. He provided a mother and a son. They were going to die. They were making arrangements for the Last Supper. The mortician was preparing their service. It was just a matter of time. Every time Elijah saw that little old boy running around chasing lizards and frogs while his mother smiled and laughed, Elijah would know the provision of God. God provided them meals and they provided the prophet a home and they became companions unto him. Oh, when you think you're by yourself sitting by the creek and everybody hates you and everybody is against you and you are isolated and alone, God will put somebody, maybe it's not a crowd, maybe it's not the majority, maybe it's just a little widow woman and her nearly dead son, but God will put somebody in your life to be a companion unto you. Some of you this morning, forgive me if this is too hard for you to swallow, but some of you this morning, were it not for this church, you would have nobody in your life. But you do have this church. And you do have somebody in your life. And when the devil tells you nobody loves you, you look him straight in the face, point your finger in him to end of his nose, and say, devil, you are a liar. There are some people who care about me. When you see these boys and girls running around here laughing and smiling, and see these grown-ups around here enjoying Jesus, and shaking hands with you and greeting you and fellowshipping, know that God has provided for you these things. Hallelujah. 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 One more thing, and I'm finished preaching on Kareth. Ain't no way I could have preached all three mountains in one sermon. One Kareth. It's a place of division. It's a place of provision. And it's a place of vision. I'm not going to park on this long, so stay with me, please. Just a minute or two, and I'll be done. Kareth changed how Elijah saw everything. When God got done with Elijah at Kareth, he saw small things as big things. Think about it. If you're Elijah, maybe in your life you have hated ravens, troublemaking birds, nasty old smelly things, 
oversized loudmouth crows. Get you a flip. That's what Papa called it, not a slingshot. He called it a flip. Get you a flip and shoot them. If you'd have tried to shoot one of them ravens with a flip after Kareth, Elijah would have come, took your flip out of your hand, broken, and broken, my friend, the, uh, had the string on it, thrown it on the ground, and told you, don't you ever shoot one of them birds again. Are you listening to me? It changed the way he saw small things. You think Elijah ever looked at birds the same way again? When he heard the... Through the leaves and through the limbs. Amen. Hunters, Brother Eddie, hunters are bad about this. You hear a squirrel run, it's deer. It's got to be a deer. Isn't that right? Turkey runs through the woods, it's deer. I hear something running, it's got to be a deer. Bird flapping around in the woods, head of leaves, it's got to be a deer. Makes me so mad, get up there and everything else except for a deer. Makes racket in the woods. The dogs come running and the uh, coyotes come running. I want to just shoot everything. How the rest of you stuff be still. I'm looking for deer. Amen. Oh, Elijah could have heard them birds come fumbling through the woods and he didn't think it was deer. The deer could come running through the woods. It must be a bird looking up to the sky. The squirrels come running through the It must be a bird. Amen. Elijah's walking down through the middle of the town one day and he hears, he's out there like this waiting for it. Amen. Mouth hung open. It's dinner time. It's like the bell ringing. Down at the dinner bell restaurant. It's time to eat. His perception of birds change forever. I'm saying God can bring you through your care and cause you to see little things different than you have before. You start to see God in the birds. You start to see God in the brook. You start to see God in the barrel. Before he gathered by a campfire, didn't think anything about it. By the time he gets to the mountain of Carmel, he sees the blaze different. And God's even in the fire. I tell you, he starts seeing God in the little things of life. His care of experiences cause us to notice how God works in small things. We're not waiting for him to shake the earth. We'll get there in a couple of weeks. We're waiting for a still small voice. God's in the little things. Hallelujah. God's teaching him how to recognize the presence of God in the small things of life. Hallelujah. Is everybody still listening to me this morning? I'm almost done, but you don't want to miss these next two subpoints. He sees things as a place of vision. He saw small things as big things. He saw big men much smaller than before. If you would have asked him, chapter 16, verse 34, how important of a fellow do you think that Ahab is? He'd have said, man, he's a king. Top dog, big daddy rabbit. Nobody in this land higher than him. By the time he gets done down at Kareth, he realizes God is above everything. And that king down there puts his britches on the same way I do. And he ain't near as good at running them as what I am. Amen. We'll find that out in the next week or two's preaching. Oh, hallelujah. He begins to see big men smaller. It used to seem like a big deal to preach down there at the king's steps. But now he's not impressed or afraid as he used to be. A God is what matters, not the offices of men. 
Saw small things and big things. Saw big men and smaller than what they had been. He saw earthly things of little significance. He was a hill dweller according to 2 Kings 1 and 8. A mountain man, a cave man, a survivalist. And those kind of people usually value highly personal toughness and strength. But after Cherith, y'all listen to me just a second, after Cherith, he was not singing, a country boy can survive. After Cherith, he was singing, I need thee every hour. Oh, I need thee. Yes, I need thee. It was not his personal strength that mattered. It was what God could do for him that mattered. Amen. He saw earthly things of little significance. He saw heavenly things as vitally significant. It was God who fed, watered, and empowered him. I'm finished preaching. Please come with a song. I must stop. God showed Elijah that God didn't need Elijah. Elijah needed God. He learned to just be God's man. And God will take care of the rest. In the end, the thing that Elijah valued the most was that he had been separated unto God. It was his most valued accomplishment. Elijah, seated up under a juniper tree, now that you've got some time finally to talk to me in chapter 19, tell me what you really think about your life and ministry. He didn't say, you know, I'm the best prophet that the Lord's ever had. He didn't say, I've preached in the largest venues. I've done things nobody else has done. He didn't say, you know, really made a lot of money on this preaching thing. But instead, you know what he said? I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with a sword. And I, even I only, am left. He was not accurate in what he said. He was not the only one. But we do see in this that the thing he valued most was that he had been true to God. Every force of hell has come against me. And I feel like a loser. But I've not been a quitter at least to this point. And that was the thing he was most grateful for. Oh, listen to me this morning. While you are in your isolated cherith, while you are in that place of separation under God, the holy God of heaven wants you to know the greatest thing in the world you can do is not that others might see, but that God may know that you've been true to Him. Be separated in purpose and in practice unto the Lord. Let God have everything that is in you, of you, through you. My soul this morning, yield yourself to God's plan and let Him develop you in that separation unto Himself. Next week we're going to see how He climbs in the strength of Cherith. What we thought would be a breaking down, cutting asunder, destroying, failing, tearing up experience, chewing up. God brings him out of the strength of Kareth to climb the mountain of Carmel, stare the old prophets of Baal in the face, pray fire down from heaven, bring revival back to 
revelation and victory back to the Lord. And it happened in the strength of that isolated place. God's doing it this morning. Some of you right now are in a careth experience. Some of you right now are in a place where your family don't even understand. You don't understand it. All you know is it's dark and it's dry and it's lonely. <laughs> You've gotten to where it's 6 o'clock, it's 7, it's 8 o'clock and you're wondering if the ravens are ever going to show up. Wondering if God's forgotten about you. And yet the Lord's never taken His eye off of you. This morning you ought to get in this halter and say, Oh God, I know where I am now. And all I'm asking is just feed me while I'm here. Send me water and teach me what you want me to know. While I'm in this place and when I leave it, I'll be your servant. Even more so than what I was when I came here. Everybody stand. You be obedient to the Lord. Let God speak to your heart. Do something in your life. I've tried to preach what God's put on my heart. The Lord has burned this in my soul and in my spirit this morning. If somebody else... God has helped me to help you with what He's helped me with. Then somebody else in this place may need to talk to the Lord. Oh, confess before God. You put me here and I'll thrive in this dry place. Sing for us when you're ready. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for helping us this morning. (laughs) I walk through a valley so dark and so low the sun did not shine there but a lily did grow (laughs) i cried to my father my eyes could not see he said can you see school class sometimes it's full and sometimes it's empty try to teach your children the way of God sometimes they listen sometimes they don't get up early stay up late sometimes you feel like a zombie you come to church and sit on the pew and you want to hear a word so bad you can't stand it you can't hold your eyes open it's not because you don't want to it's because you're just worn out at the end of yourself, if you go to sleep in church because you stay up all night on Saturday night being foolish and acting crazy, the Lord's not going to honor that. But when you're just at the end of yourself, He knows where you are. Battle to try to pay the bills and can't seem to figure out how to get it done. Give it your best and seems like it's still a mess. 
Try to serve God. Try to be His, His servant. Try to be a Christian and seem like it falls so far short. Hold your babies up close to you. Pray for them. It seems like every day it's a new battle and a new struggle. God sees you where you are. Try to do right and it all turns out wrong. And the Lord knows. He's not trying to kill you this morning. He's trying to help you. This morning, instead of seeing all of the days of dryness and isolation, God opened our eyes to see the ravens. God opened our eyes to see the trickle in the brook. God opened our eyes to see a meal barrel and a mom and a son. Open our eyes to see the blessings of the Lord in the midst of our isolated place, in the midst of our cutting open. While we feel wounded, help us to see that God's looking out for us. Feel like you can't win for losing. Yet God's sitting on the throne and He's on your side. You can't lose for winning. The victory's not evident yet, but it's already settled. God has a plan. You just haven't seen it play out yet. The last chapter's not closed. The flapping of the wings, the rustling of the leaves, the trickling of the brook, they're all indicators. We're going to win. This morning you can't see the mountain shake and you can't feel the fire and you don't hear the mighty wind. But my friend, the little indicators tell us we're going to have the victory. He's with us. I preach what God's put on my heart. My soul, I wish somebody could get a hold of this. Y'all have no idea. If this would get into bed with you at night, you wouldn't need to sleep. I mean, I'm telling you, God will give you a cake of bread. You can go 40 days in the wilderness on the strength of it. We had not got that far yet. We're going to. 